there, and welcome to Meet Me in the Middle, the podcast that seeks out middle ground in the world of subjects. <laughs> I'm Annika Buckle. I'm Jenny Omani. If you are enjoying our podcast, we would love if you'd hop over to your streaming platform of choice, give it a maximum star review, leave a nice little note, share with a friend. It means so much to us. Awesome. Okay. Today, we are going to be... Let, tell me if this sounds familiar to you, Jenny. Cabbage Patch Kids. Growing in the garden. Cabbage Patch Kids. Growing in the sun. Oh, yeah. Cabbage Patch Kids. Yeah. I can smell them now. <laughs> okay. We're going to talk about Cabbage Patch Kids. We promised that it would be a lighter topic, and we're finally I'm making just... good on that promise. <laughs> Please don't make Cabbage Patch Kids like a nefarious uh, I mean, situation. they're... We'll get to it. There's some lawsuits, but <laughs> like all good things in the 90s. <laughs> um, okay, so it's the 40 year anniversary of Cabbage Patch Kids this year. Oh, no, it's not. Yes, it is. <laughs> oh, no. Yep, sorry. Um, and there's a new documentary um, that was just in theaters that I treated myself to for research that was excellent. So if you're looking That's for so like fun. a 90 minute deep dive and visuals rather than just, you know, our little summary today, highly recommend streaming that when it comes out. Um, and I'll be honest, when I heard in the Duggar documentary that they weren't allowed to have Cabbage Patch Kids, I kind of went down the rabbit hole in conspiracies. So that also you wanted one even more <laughs> led us here to where we are. So um, Jenny, did you ever have one? Oh yeah, I can sm I can literally smell that like fake baby powder scent. Oh, you still have one. I do. Her name is Tristan and Callie plays with her, which is really lovely. Does she still smell <laughs> like the smell? No, she totally doesn't. She smells like boxes. <laughs> well, she's like shiny now. She's not that like powdery sort of matte finish. Yeah, totally. Uh yeah, yeah I had more than one for sure. Um and my mom actually got almost arrested because of a mistake with a Cabbage Patch doll at Oak Ridge Mall. Okay, I don't even know this story. In the 80s. So this is exciting. So she bought like a tracksuit that came with a, a matching Cabbage Patch doll in a like in a matching tracksuit, and like had me in a stroller because I was like I don't know three four like whatever old enough to sit in a stroller at a mall. And also old enough to care about a Cabbage Patch doll. And so she bought it, bought the tracksuit. It came with the doll, but they forgot to take the tag off of the doll, like the beeping tag. The security tag, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so security, like, took her aside, <gasps> like, made this big scene out of it. And oh it was, God. like, their mistake. Anyways, my mom is clearly traumatized from this because she brings that up at least twice a year. <laughs> <laughs> Merry Christmas. Do you remember the year with a Cabbage Patch Yeah. Kid? <laughs> mm hmm mm hmm it sounded um, almost like a National Lampoon skit. Oh like it God. should be in like a Christmas, totally. you know, like those like 90s Christmas movies where they spend a lot of time in a mall. Yes, totally. Mall culture. Anyways, it's like reminiscent <laughs> of um, what's that terrible Arnold Schwarzenegger one? Jingle all the way. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, the Cabbage Patch uh, Kid craze did inspire that movie. So we'll get to did that. It? Um, I feel like this was like the precursor to the Tickle Me Elmo totally. craziness. Because I remember my mom also telling me also at least once a year and i'm almost 40 so like this is <laughs> i've heard this story story no less than 40 times um about how she like had to like make friends with the people that worked at the toy store so she could find it when the shipment was coming in and she got her ass to the lineup to the front of the store that anyways 
So yes, I had Cabbage Patch dolls because my mom was, you, she didn't fuck around. <laughs> well, w- with everything that uh, we're about to talk about today and with what I've learned over the last like couple of weeks of research, I have to say like I didn't realize what a big deal it was that I got. Um, Your mom knew how to she- fuck around as well. She well, it wasn't my mom, actually. So we when we lived in Lillooet, one of the things about Lillooet is it's a very, very small place, but it's a mm-hmm. hub town for like the only high school in the areas in Lillooet. So okay. for kids who live like out of commuting range for the high school, they come and live in town, they like board with families during oh, the week, wow. and then they go home on weekends. So we had a border. I had no idea. Yeah, when I was in um, elementary school, Tammy and um, Tammy and her family got me this in 1984, which is crazy considering like the it was Christmas 1983 that like the Cabbage Patch Kid riots happened, which will will be the cherry on the top of our Sunday when we oh get there today. But Tammy's I did not realize and my mom knew what was up. <laughs> they were bad bitches. I love it. <laughs> You're right. Fuck around and find out who got totally. the Cabbage Patch dolls. Tammy's totally. mom and Jenny's mom. Yeah. Those are like exactly. some 80s names too. Tammy and Jenny. Look at us. Totally. That's so Kindred good. Spirit. And she came, I remember she came with like, you know, the paperwork that had yeah, the her name. No yeah. idea what her name actually was because I renamed her Tristan because our sure. family yeah. best friends had just had a son that they named Tristan. So obviously that's what I'm going to name the baby. I feel like that was like a named. very Cabbage Patch doll name like anyways well they usually had two names so oh, it i don't been remember like... i remember it had a birth certificate though yeah and we'll, it came we'll, looked like we'll the packaging the was like a, the packaging was like a cabbage like they yes. were born from the cabbage oh you let me tell you the lore around that is absolutely unhinged oh. and we're gonna get to it <laughs> of course it is why can't we yeah. just like enjoy why can't things just be <laughs> come from like a, a wholesome place like actually <laughs> Um, so just to kind of outline, we'll talk about the origin of the dolls, a little bit about some of the legal stuff around Xavier Roberts, the holiday season of the night in the 1980s, um, and then some of the controversies, conspiracies and lawsuits. So I just can't believe there's conspiracies about Cabbage Patch dolls. <laughs> we'll, we'll end on those because they are. Lawsuits, um, yes, because everybody, so we live in a litigious world. Well, and <laughs> I mean, Okay, so let's dive right into it. Let's begin our journey in the state of Georgia in 1955 with the birth of Xavier Roberts. Okay. You remember Xavier Roberts, his signature is on Oh! Tushy? So, yeah, it's all coming back say, to me. Tushy? Yeah. yeah. Who needs so, a tramp stamp when you can, like, brand a doll's ass? It's the OG tramp stamp. And then mm-hmm. they wonder why, the, as a generation of women, we all wanted to get tramp stamps. I mean, I'm just saying. I mean, it's an ass cheek stamp. It's not really the same. <laughs> but not yeah. exactly. Um, okay. So uh, there isn't a ton of detail about his growing up, other than a few important details that I'll highlight that kind of led him into this, create this phenomenon. The first was that his dad died when he was five in a car accident, which left mm. his family of five siblings and his mom what he calls quote very poor i mean this is georgia in 1955 so i think we can you know put that into perspective yeah um and then the second is that he was always an artist he loved creating art but because his family was always struggling for money most of his you know quote art ended up being functional items so pottery but also quilting so this is where he really learned to work with textiles as an art form which i kind of forget but is absolutely it is absolutely an art form you have ever seen a little old lady make a quilt 
incredible. Like it's, it's a, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, for sure. Yeah. So he learns like lots of working with textiles channels, kind of his art and his creativity into that attends an art school in a junior college and begins running what like we would call today, like a boutique of locally sourced handmade artisan goods or like, (laughs) it's like a maker's market, right? Yeah. Like shop local. (laughs) Um, but that is where at the age of 21 in 1976, he meets a woman called Martha Nelson Thomas. Have you ever heard of Martha Nelson Thomas before? Uh, I don't think so. No, me neither until this. So this is where we're going to come to the first, but certainly not the last scandal that we'll talk about today. Um, and it's about the intellectual property rights to these very Mm. specific looking dolls. Oh, (laughs) actually, sorry, real Cabbage Patch collectors and obsessors never call them dolls. They are absolutely not dolls. Like it's a sin inside the Cabbage community if you call them dolls. They are kids and you will literally be, or babies, you will literally be corrected if you ever say doll. They won't, they don't even, he won't even say it. He just says D-O-L-L and then we don't say that word. (laughs) That's so weird. But he's got their things, I guess. I know. We'll but talk like... a little bit more about my theory about why that is in a minute. But okay. Um, okay, so Martha was an American folk artist known for her work in soft sculpture. And when Xavier met Martha, it was because he wanted to put something she had created in the store he was buying for, something she called doll babies. Um, I'll Both of this... them. So, oh, but only one of those words is actually valid within the community. <laughs> um, I will put this in the show notes, but I'm just going to send you. Um, this picture and i just want you to tell me what you notice oh my um these are i think they're supposed to be like maybe beta prototypes for cabbage patch dolls um so but they are it it looks a lot like a cabbage patch doll right like it it just it it looks like it has a fabric face instead of this hard modeled head that yours had that mine has like not a plastic surgeon didn't do that repair um so xavier is finding things to sell in this craft store he comes across her doll babies which at the time is like a very unique soft sculpture doll she sells a few in larger quantities to him but then decides she doesn't want to sell to him anymore because she doesn't trust him and honestly when you read the letter that he sends her around this time it is really hard not to agree with her never mind the fact that we know how it ends nobody knows her name and everybody knows his but the letter says quote my store will carry your type of dolls, either made by you or someone else. Oh. So um, you can also see in interviews with her where she tells the story of going to his craft store when they first met. And, you know, he's showing her another craft and says, oh, we used to get this from this other guy, but we decided it's cheaper just to make it ourselves. So now we just do it ourselves. So needless yeah. to say, it's at this point that she starts to get uncomfortable and stop selling to him. Um, also, she talks about how uncomfortable she was with the high profits he was getting because of the much higher prices he would sell them for than what she was selling them for. I mean, this is basic right. wholesale, but I do think it's important to highlight that, you know, her art, her dolls were so yeah. deeply personal to her, um, which I think is really the foundation of what we'll get to with Cabbage Patch Kids in a couple of minutes. But um 
you know, she would make them to spec for kids. She would create each one that looked a little different. You know, a kid had freckles. She'd make the doll with freckles. She'd do darker skin, red hair. She would invite them to come back to what she called family reunions, where everyone who bought dolls from her would bring the dolls back for a tea party. Like, it was a actually. (laughs) Yeah, it's like it's very I feel like it's the kind of thing that would like really catch on in hipster circles nowadays. (laughs) A hundred percent. But it was like clearly a very like personal experience experience for her a few key things about doll babies that i want to highlight that will give us context for the legal battle that is to come um first doll babies came with quote important papers including Mm -hmm. a letter from the doll with their name and their hobbies um i want to highlight here that she never used the word adoption papers in writing anyway because this is one of the legal points that comes up later in the case um Second, she never got any sort of a patent on her art. But it sounds like she was like a small right. Like, because and she says this in the in the court case later, because I didn't think I needed to. But yeah, you know, and also she she was like a like a very small sounds like this is something she was just doing out of her house at a very small scale. Yeah, I mean it was her primary source of income. Like she would travel sure. to craft stores. Sure. Or, but um, like Ferris, sorry. But there's lots of like local makers who have I don't know, like beeswax candles and they're not patented. Well I don't guess... think that's something that you think about when you're a, No, like a small but you know who you know who did dispense. think about it in nineteen seventy eight? Xavier it's Xavier Roberts. <laughs> and so he took a patent out on something he called little people. I'm going to uh, send you another link, uh, Jenny, and I'll put this in the show notes, but I want you to just compare, sorry, it's, um, this is an Amazon link to a That's fine. book. It's all I could find, but I want you to just, if you can, um, compare these to Martha's doll babies. Okay. Uh, oh, hold on. I just have to ugh, look, type these characters as you see. Oh, them in the image. You are not a robot. P J. <laughs> P G U, and then I overthink the letters. Oh my god! I get okay. You are not a robot. Wrong so many times. Little people pals. I'm just zooming in. Oh yeah, this iteration looks a lot like hers. Yeah, right. Yeah, he's just sort of sculpted the nose a bit differently, but like, it's like made of the same fabric. I think as the face versus an added piece, which hers mm-hmm. look like they would have been. But yeah, they're basically the same. Yeah, right. Like very, very similar. Yeah, very, very similar, even kind of like as we've done looking at them kind of side by side. So um, the last thing I want to highlight in the, you know, quote unquote differences between little people and doll babies, um, something that was unique to Xavier's take on them was like, as we just said, the signature on the tushy. So I always thought it was like kind of weird and at a minimum, maybe just like eccentric that his signature was on the bum. But when he talks about it, it's very interesting because he talks about how he always signs his art. He signed all his other art and this was his art. So he signed it exactly the same way. Signed it on a tag. Like a normal person. Well, I hadn't thought about it before, but given how much this becomes an issue of copyrighted intellectual property, it kind of starts to make sense when we look at it mm-hmm. legally. You know, it doesn't feel great, but mm. um, let's wrap up this intellectual property battle and move on to some more horrifying details in the story of these <laughs> dolls. I Sorry, kids, shall we? <laughs> yeah. So on January 29th, 1980, Martha through a law student at legal aid because at this point she doesn't have the money for a you know full-fledged lawyer which honestly i will say this did not do her any favors 
Um, oh, well, yeah, because like <laughs> I'm guessing Xavier can afford a right. I mean, at, at this point, Xavier is um is like living in a mansion with. Oh, so like, he's like made it, and oh, she's like, he? "Here's a law student. They're yeah. gonna try their best." Yeah, right. So, um, <laughs> anyway, so she files an intellectual property lawsuit against uh, Roberts, unsurprisingly. When the press got wind of this, there was some really disgusting responses that got platformed on Robert's side, including the resident of the licensing company that made them at the time, quote, I think the whole thing is just jealousy and envy on Martha Nelson's part. And much worse, Robert's lawyer himself, who said, quote, she's just an emotional woman who cries about her babies. Oh, that's so offensive. God, the 80s are just so unapologetically sexist. Well, and also, like, the amount of times we like to throw, like, emotions at women when, like, I mean. She, like, it's her thing and he stole it. How many cheaters are women? How many, like, I mean, of all the, you know what I mean? How many yeah. drunk bar fights notoriously started well, by women? No, here's the thing. Anger isn't an emotion. So just oh. in case you thought that it was, it's not. So I that's just, why men are not emotional. It's just so offensive. Yeah well and it's so belittling right oh she's just crying about her babies like she made a thing and you know when you look at them side by side it sure looks like there's some intellectual property issues especially there, no. when you have it in writing yeah i'm gonna carry these dolls whether you make them <laughs> or i do like right or whatever the quote yeah. was yeah that's pretty um yeah it's pretty gross so in 1982 a judge ruled that roberts had done no wrong while he had indeed borrowed from martha's ideas she never filed a copyright for doll babies meaning that technically no copyright infringement took place mm. um said the judge on the case she left the door open for roberts to add a slight touch of originality which in turn gave him the copyright but the thing is is <laughs> was she ever saying it was copyright infringement so there were two pieces um one was copyright and the other was um uh which was the legal case that was still open at this point which was one of unfair competition this okay. one settled out of court in 1986 so like this is a very long time for her to be going through you know the court system on these things um for an undisclosed amount, um, but Martha told friends it would be enough to, quote, send both her children to college and that she just wanted to put it all behind her. Yeah. She died of ovarian cancer in 2013. Oh, my Yeah. And at her funeral, her little people had like a, a place of honor at the front. All their doll babies were there. She didn't so. call them little people. Sorry, Xavier doll babies. <laughs> Sorry, Doll dolls. These were the dolls. These ones are the dolls. They were allowed to be dolls, I guess. <laughs> That's so sad. I know. I know. It, it's a, uh, you know, it's, I hate to say it's just another woman erased by history, but it really um, is. I mean, it it's kind of is in this case. Yeah. Xavier. Yeah. So shall we get back to the rest of the weird details about Couch Match Kids? Yeah. I still don't understand. I still, I remember being a little kid and wondering why there was writing on the butt of the doll. <laughs> And like I can appreciate someone saying, "Oh, this is my art, therefore I'm going to sign it." Like totally, but why an ass cheek? <laughs> it just um, feels weird. It feels like this kind of connects to um, my favorite cringy quote from Xavier. My name is Xavier Roberts, and you don't know me, but I could be the father of one of your kids. <laughs> oh God. And, like, his target demographic is, like, young girls, which makes that even creepier. 
Um, I will. Well, we'll get to we'll get to who the target demographic is in a minute, because I have to say that is one place that this takes a, a slightly more positive turn. But um, OK, so Robert starts going in on all in on these little people dolls. In 1979, he opened something called Babyland General Hospital. This was okay. an old medical clinic that apparently he got for a steal because he agreed to do the needed building upgrades. And so it's like literally a medical facility. That oh, my they... God. It's like not a figure. It's like a, it's not figurative. No. no, it's literal that then they rebrand as the Cabbage Patch Hospital. Now, I am not here a lot yuck... of questions about that. <laughs> I'm not here okay. to yuck anyone's yum. I'm really not. And I truly think whatever you want to do with your own time and money yeah, yeah, is totally, no one's business like, to destroy. But I will say things get a little bit weird when you look at what things are actually like at Babyland General. I will put this clip in the show notes, um, but let's just watch this right now, Jenny, to get a sense of um, exactly what this was like. So, And this is Xavier Roberts. You'll find him at Babyland General Hospital in the North Georgia town of Cleveland. We've been selling, uh, I guess, fantasy. People want to uh, have a good time. It's just like going to see a movie. It's just the same thing, except this one live with you <laughs> babyland has become cleveland's largest industry there are 300 employees dressed up as doctors and nurses of course and i found you have to be careful what you say around here where are these little people made they're not made i'm sorry they are delivered uh, from a cabbage patch the cabbage patch is located far in the uh, north georgia mountains and i can't reveal where it's located exactly you, you don't say made no. Uh, D-O-L-L-S is a dirty word here. Each room at Babyland is devoted to a different function. This is the feeding room. What do they eat? Basically affection and attention. They thrive off this. This is Isabel. Say hello. She won't take the bottle out of her mouth. She's real insecure and it's hard to get her let it loose. While we were watching Isabel, the Babyland General Ambulance went out on an emergency call. Babyland has surgical facilities for babies that are injured, as well they should, because the adoption fees for a little person aren't cheap. They range from $125 to as much as $300. Some of the older babies have become collector's items and are worth even more than that. This patient was Jeremy Cordell. He's one of the newborn babies born without hair. He's suffering from a slight ear infection. We're curing that up with TLC. TLC is a drug that our hospital feels responsible for discovering. It's not used in most major hospitals. We hope they begin soon. It's tender, loving care. We also use a lot of imagicillin here. His fever's gone down. We're treating him with imagicillin. It helps on the fever a lot. Is, do you think he'll pull through? Oh, yes. We haven't lost one yet. Dr. London, your attention, please. Dr. London, we have a cabbage in labor and delivery. Nurse Turner, please assist. Dr. London, we have a cabbage in labor. Go ahead and uh, prep the cabbage and administer a magicillin. And here it is, a birth from a cabbage. I am so confused. <laughs> I, it's so unnecessary. All of it is so, I don't understand. Like, is this a, I have so many questions. I just don't <laughs> knock my water off the dresser because I just have a lot of thoughts. Did people pay to visit this? Like, what is, like, does it this actually is, have hundreds of employees? Is this, this actually is where a thing? you? This is where you went to adopt a Cabbage Patch kid. No, this we is went where to you... Toys R Us. No, that was not yet, my friend. That wasn't until 1983. So this was like the store? This was the store that you could buy them in. This was the place that they existed until 
the licensing deal, which we're going to talk about in a second. So you've got wow. like nurses and doctors talking with Air quote, unquote nurses and yeah. quote unquote doctors. Um, you've got sales associates wearing lab coats talking with a straight face about making sure this one pulls through. And the announcement of like a cabbage in labor was just so like, they weird. pull it out, smack it on the bum. Like I just. <laughs> and Xavier has real creep vibes. Yeah. Like who, it makes sense when you think back, you're like, he had a traumatic event when he was five. Right. So yeah. there's got to be some form of emotional stunting yeah. that happened to him. And that kind of get that context makes it a bit like, I mean, the guy's like dressed as a doctor with a stethoscope. Like he's not, he's, he's like literally an artist. Like self-proclaimed artist. Right. 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 I mean, this is, it's so like, weird. it's, it's performance art and it's it is. on a very grand scale. Right. Yeah. Um, but I can't help but wonder, especially, you know, watching a clip like this is some of the aversion to the word doll is like we're talking about, you know, this mental blocking mm -hmm. of Martha's doll babies out of existence. Mm -hmm. You know, he's literally birthing them, delivering right. them. Right, right. It's interesting because, you know, when you think of and it like you used to work at Lululemon. So like mm -hmm. Lululemon has always had like a muse mm -hmm. and that's who they build the branding around and like they're who is the muse when you were there? uh ocean name? was her name ocean. yeah 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 so like they and it's like ocean is this age and her she looks and She's they make a life sex oh yes she, you know you remember. she drives a german import car she right and so it's yeah. this concept where you take to get sort of buy-in from your team so that everyone's on the same page mm -hmm. it's a pretty standard marketing practice um to really get into the business and you really want um it kind of comes to life a bit more and there's better flow and progression with things when you've got this sort of unified sense of everyone's working towards target demographic yeah. and customer yeah. base. Whereas he's sort of done that in his own fantasy land is kind of what it sounds like. Right. Yeah, totally. Right. But like I would have loved that shit as a kid. Oh my God. If somebody had told me <laughs> I could go and adopt a cabbage patch kid out of the cabbage patch, like shut up. I would have, Let's oh go. my God, I would have like straight armed, clotheslined anybody in my way to get there. For sure. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, it's kind of like Build-A-Bear. It almost seems like a trickle down. Right. Yeah, this, totally. Right? I didn't even think about that, but it's that personalization piece. And we're going to talk more about that in a minute. But okay, word is starting to get out about the popularity of what at the time Xavier was calling little people. So he partners up with a licensor who wants to sell the rights to mass produce to a larger toy company. They changed the name at this point because Fisher Price already has little people and they don't want to have oh, any yeah. issues with that. that. Yeah, I was more thinking about how it's maybe not like an appropriate term because right. people. Yeah, anyways, but look, but Fisher Price still has little people. So yes, I mean, of course they do. Um, so we're going to get into the whole kind of fever dream lore about where Cabbage Patch Kids come from in a minute, but let's just kind of catch ourselves up with, you know, history up until holiday 1983. Mm -hmm. Um, so they're shopping these dolls or sorry, the, these kids around, <laughs> <laughs> which Maybe. just feels like such a crisp sentence anyways um mm -hmm. company after company rejects them for being too ugly which was sure. a common thing at that point right they don't sure. see a market for them sure. um and i mean if you sure. think about it like what's in the market at this point like dolls are either pretty little baby dolls or yeah, they're like, like glamorous barbies yeah. right there's like very yeah. little middle ground um 
Finally, it's Coleco that buys the licensing rights. Are you too young for Coleco? Do you know Coleco? The Vision. So they were a tech company in the 80s. And um, Dan Buckle, uh, if you're listening right now, I can tell you one of my biggest regrets of our marriage is that I made you sell your original ColecoVision before our daughter was born. I'm now Googling it. Um, is this, are we talking about a K? Uh, C. Um, so Dan, I, I'm just speaking directly to you right now. I know the tech was so old that we couldn't connect it to the TV and that the game cartridges were so big that it took up half the closet in the room. We were trying to convert to a nursery, but I know you loved it deeply because it was your first gaming console. And I'm so sorry we couldn't find a solution. So Coleco is a very charged name in our house. <laughs> That's so funny. You know, there, I just listened to a great podcast on repair and I think that it's great that you've just done that. Yeah. Um, okay. So what happens with Coleco are a few key things right away. First, um, they create some actually for the time really incredible and most importantly, scalable technology. Um, we'll talk more about that in a second. But second is the price goes down to like $25, $30. Yes, that is still the equivalent of $100 today. But I will just highlight if you listen to the clip from earlier, um, the conversion of what the little people dolls were selling for was somewhere between 480 and over oh, $1,100. God. <laughs> so, yeah. That's and, right. just dumb. Well, I mean, look, each one is. Unless it was going to Martha, then acceptable. <laughs> Um, so all of a sudden it's very affordable and it's mass produced. Um, but let's talk about that mass produced part because it's actually really different from all of the mass production that came before it. So one of the things that people often talk about around Cabbage Patch Kids is that they're ugly, right? But what we yeah. also see is that they were representative in a way that was still kind of novel. Remember the first black Barbie didn't come out until 1979. <laughs> We're only yeah. in 1981 at this point, right? So the idea that you could have a doll that looked like you was still a really new concept. Yeah. And there was a lot of diversity in terms of hair color, in terms of um, like skin color. Well, I think there are only two skin colors in all fairness. There were two like, skin colors and they were really just... And, and and like darker brown skin. But I mean, this is new, right? When It's really interesting listening to Xavier and his business manager talk about what the market was like at this point. I, I don't know if it was him or her that said, um, quote, you could find a pretty doll, but you couldn't really find yourself. Yeah. Um, and quote, they were never meant to be perfect. They were meant to be loved, which I think kind of, right, pulls on that I piece mean... of like... Okay, this like, like helpless bad. little ugly thing needs to be loved, right? Well, and I kind of made them like what they were. And like I said, right. there were tons of hair colors, there were freckles, there were but one of a kind just wasn't happening, right? You could get all the yeah. white blonde pretty babies you wanted, but yeah. it's almost like kind of a sense of soullessness, right? Like mm. it, they're all cookie cutter, they all look yeah. the same. So what Coleco managed to create was combining the cost savings of overseas manufacturing at scale, yeah. but also using technology to create what they called one-of-a-kind mass-produced dolls. So they changed right. the design to a vinyl head and a soft body, where previously they were soft body and soft head. Yeah. And what they created was a computer program where each one was molded just a teeny tiny bit differently. So not only hmm. were they prioritizing a whole rainbow of different skin cone tones and different hair colors and styles and different eye colors, but there was this ability to create slight differences in the actual hmm. molding of the head. So... Okay. Um, Really interesting, right? Yeah. The other thing that I want to, I think is important to highlight here is the way that their marketing shifted um, what had always been a very gendered approach to dolls. So, I mean, 
this clearly didn't change everything, but it was a shift. So typically girls got the dolls and boys got the toolkits. You know, dolls are this sexist educational tool. We're going to teach little girls how to be mothers and that they should want that, right? Mm -hmm. No one had ever marketed dolls to boys, but there was this idea within their company that teaching boys to be fathers was actually something that was important too. And a piece of this, again, I can't help but wonder if kind of comes back to his childhood, you know, when Mm -hmm. his dad dies when he's little, he... Mm -hmm recognizes the the role and the importance of that you know in a way that i think we hadn't seen especially in something that was so massively popular right so the having a doll that you know first could be a boy and then could look like the boy that was going to own it i mean this is a huge deal there's this like awesome little clip of this boy winning one at this fair and it's dressed in this like new york mets baseball uniform (laughs) and as he wins they say like he gets to be the father and everybody cheers i mean i don't know there's so much toxic masculinity online for boys right now i feel like something like that would kind of be amazing (laughs) oh my god i hate to be debbie downer but don't you also think part of it could have been that like they knew that if they could market to boys that was an entirely different demographic that they could have access to. That's my literal next comment to my notes. Oh. Like suddenly twice the demand on the dolls. <laughs> it's, it's like when we think about the deodorant episode, right? Like totally. we market it to women. We are now successful in this space. How can we scale more? Well, the other half of the population. <laughs> totally. Totally. We did it with deodorant and then we did it with Cabbage Patch Kids. So mm-hmm. um, let's talk a little bit more about that demand. So I want to set the stage with some cultural things going on at the moment that lead up to this because context is important. And these are some of the things that I actually am most excited to talk about today. (laughs) Um, So remember, this is like very early 1980s. This is this is the massive rise of the consumer, right? We have Mm -hmm. what's not exactly a new idea, you know, keeping up with the Joneses, but we have the evolution of this. Like we were in and out of recessions. But by 1983, the year of the riots, we were in the starting line of this kind of economic boom that would last until the market crash in the late 80s. So Mm. it really was kind of this sweet spot. We had the introduction of Reaganomics, which we've touched on in the past, um, and we'll dive into a little bit more in a second. But this is where we see this shift to credit card debt becoming widely available for everyone. Mm -hmm. You see people willing and able to live beyond their means. And this is this kind of conspicuous consumerism at a large scale, right? Like purchasing things to show others that you're doing well. It's also mall culture time, right? Yeah. I mean, this is the decade of like the movie Wall Street and, you know, everybody's favorite evil hero, Gordon Gecko, with his signature line, greed, for lack of a better word, is good. <laughs> um, so coming back to Reaganomics for a minute, um, if you've heard the term but um, haven't heard us talk about it before, Reaganomics just refers to the economic policies instituted by former President Ronald Reagan, very similar to Thatcherism, which is the UK equivalent instituted mm. by Margaret Thatcher. Um, it's basically just a government policy of tax cuts, decreased social spending, increased military spending, market deregulation. It's trickle-down theory in a nutshell. So if we cut taxes and we deregulate businesses, they'll make more money and then they'll pass that money on to everyone else <laughs> underneath of them. <laughs> just like how communism works every time. <laughs> right. <laughs> So I wanted to come back to this because it was the reason for another shift at this time that what really allowed this demand to grow. So in 1981, President Reagan appointed Mark S. Fowler, a conservative Republican, as chairman of the FCC. Fowler, a longtime proponent of deregulation, determined that children's television should be dictated by marketplace considerations and not with any regard to children's health or welfare. So this is where... Yeah, I know. 
Okay. I know. <laughs> yep. But this is where we start to see, you know, toy inspired programs, which were basically just 30 minute commercials, right? Like G.I. Joe, oh, yeah, My yeah. Little Pony, He-Man, yeah. right? Um, people in the, uh, who study this call this the golden age of deregulation. <laughs> Nice. Um, and it meant that kids programming on Saturday mornings now had ads directed directly at kids. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Saturday morning cartoons. Totally. Saturday morning cartoons, which are basically big ads full of yeah. ads directly directed at kids. So, yeah. in fact, they did such a good job at that direct advertising that Coleco <laughs> was actually charged under the Consumer Protection Act in New York for harassment to children Ooh. because they were advertising the dolls, but you couldn't actually buy them anywhere. And so they had to pull advertising until supply caught up. <laughs> I just the fact that's OK. The amount of the things that people make time for in their day just never <laughs> ceases to amaze me. Sure. So let's review, you know, at this point, Xavier's licensing agent, we touched on him earlier. His name is Roger L. Schlafer. I'm probably pronouncing that wrong, but he had big goals for these little people. As he was in the process of shopping the license, he and his wife decided they needed a story, some cabbage patch lore. And this is what they came up with. This is from an article about uh, beloved 80s toys with horrifying origin stories that I'm going to link in the show notes. It's got to be its like own branch of sociology. So the whole coming from cabbages is this is the origin story for that part of it? Yeah. This is to create the folklore? Yes, exactly. First of all, Cabbage Patch Kids is not a cute nickname. They grow from actual cabbages, which is fine. We understand the makers of a toy line about babies don't want to have it begin their show with a woman screaming from labor <laughs> pains. Valid. But it just keeps getting weirder from there. The magical cabbages are pollinated by mutated creatures called bunny bees who drop crystals on them. Hybrids that scientifically must result from a rabbit sexting a bee. <laughs> sexing a bee. Not sexting. I didn't have phones. The kids thus emerge into a world with no parents and are basically left for fend to fend for themselves until they're adopted. That is, until their doll is bought by some lucky kid whose own parents are willing to face down the stampede to get one. And these kids really need to be adopted quick because, unfortunately, their little cabbage patch is in a very close proximity to a gold mine owner by the evil Lavender McDade. Jesus. Lavender is an entrepreneur with a brilliant business plan. Kidnap the pa Cabbage Patch Kids and get this, turn them into slaves. There was a Cabbage Patch Kids show at one point, wasn't there? The 80s was a wild time. Yes, there was. Because yes, this is all was. sounding like not the first time I've heard this. <laughs> um, I just, we're just going to take 30 seconds. This is Lavender McDade um, sharing her glee with us. Lavender. She was up to no good, and she needed help. I've got to stop those cabbage kids from finding parents of their own. I'm going to need some henchmen. I can't do it all alone. Cause there's gold here in the valley, and the kids cannot go free. I need their little fingers to dig the gold for me. <laughs> oh, wow. She kind of makes Ursula seem a little bit <laughs> not that scary. <laughs> totally. She's got, like full witch energy. B-W-E. <laughs> 
um right that was just an aside but i found it really horrifying so i felt like we had to talk about it <laughs> super no. creepy i need these infants to pick gold <laughs> babies notoriously babies. nimble yeah dexterous yeah known for their fine motor dexterity <laughs> newborns um okay. so the hype is building even before they ship any dolls and usually toy makers at this time wait until christmas to launch new things i'm sure that's still the case but this was certainly the case in 1983 because it's such a huge time of year for toys in particular but these first started shipping in july and it's a pretty funny story to hear tell because you've got this business dude you know somebody from the from the business side thinking about sales and worrying you know how this is going to do he goes into macy's on a friday and talks to the salesperson she has no idea who he is and he asks about the dolls on display she's like we have 2,000 of them and they are so ugly why are they here it's not even Christmas this is so weird <laughs> and then he goes back in Monday morning and every single one of them is sold and fires her <laughs> so you've got this demand and hype building from you know basically July through November and remember they're manufacturing in China so you've got a lead time of literally months well, so yeah, this is why shipping them. they're not totally yeah. they're sitting on a boat in the middle of the ocean right even though they start to realize in the fall that these are going to be big it's already too late to it's get enough in time yeah. for Christmas. Yeah. Which is what leads us to this. Cabbage Patch Dolls. The latest awful example of pre-Christmas selling hype to hit America. The rush to buy them makes our New Year sales look positively calm by comparison. It verges on the hysterical, especially when supplies run out, as they have been. What do we tell our little girl Christmas morning? What are we supposed to say? You've been good, but Santa ran short? Those who can't get their own have been known to snatch from others. Where is she? Do you I think her? Is that what Christmas is about? That's, I agree with you 100%. A full-grown woman taking a doll out of a child's hand? This is what it's all about. Funny little rag dolls, each with a different face, a birth certificate, and apparently the ability to inspire pure joy. I cannot believe, except for I can. Like, I just have a vision of like some woman coming up to the kid and being like, "Bitch, that's mine." I know. So I'll link that clip in the show notes. But like, watching that little girl's face just crumple, honestly, just felt so much to me. Like trying to get Taylor Swift tickets, and that sweet girl saw was so much like my poor little girl when we didn't get tickets for Vancouver. I mean it's always something, right? But totally. I just can Taylor you imagine it's are a little bit more expensive even if you adjust for inflation. <laughs> <laughs> um although actually the cheapest ones are equi the equivalent of about the same price. You just have to, you know, sit in the nose someone to get a code to <laughs> buy them. Yeah. Um so I mean also I feel like with this clip it's just a great time to remind people that not everybody has the same budget and privilege so if you can make the thing that Santa brings if you do Santa something small and affordable yes. then you don't have a little kid wondering why they didn't get a cabbage yeah. patch doll and somebody else did he you yeah. know they just got a toothbrush we do toothbrushes at christmas but <laughs> oh my kids all get art supplies from Santa they get yeah. like nothing exciting yeah totally totally um a side note like my kid asks for the weirdest things like she was three and she asked for a suitcase and cool. then she asked for a globe when she was four she asked oh, for yeah. a um, alarm clock last year <laughs> stop that's so cute <laughs> i know anyways um <laughs> merry christmas everyone and that one um, woman who's like what am i supposed to tell my kids i'm like okay <laughs> 
I guess we all You've been good, but things. Santa ran short. Uh, I guess, yeah, probably. I, I don't know if that that's seems, how that you want to like word it. <laughs> make make yeah. them an IOU for when they you can get one. Like, hey, the elves are doing their working. best. It'll be here for your birthday. Your mom will, we're gonna send one to your mom. <laughs> right. In March. Like, I don't know. Uh people often will mark this as the first kind of consumer riots that we saw around what eventually becomes Black Friday sales, right? It's the lead up mm. to Christmas. It's mm-hmm. people, you know, lined up overnight in the cold to be first in line. You know, I think Black Friday stuff is tricky for a few reasons. I mean, first, as a former retail manager, like having days where you could count on making budget was literally what paid my heating bill some yeah. years. You know, a second, especially once everything is so fucking expensive all the time, yeah. it feels weird to get mad at people for trying to find ways to make things more affordable. Yeah. But, totally. you, you know, this blatant overconsumption, like, do you need another TV? Do you need another puffer jacket? Like, do you probably need... not. Well, and that's why the Cabbage Patch dolls were all different. Because it was like, totally. it was always going to be different. Well, not always. I'm sure they had like, I'm sure they weren't all different. They probably had like, there were probably more than one of the same doll. Of the exact made. same. Yeah. 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 But, but the, it was. But infrequent enough that you're not going to notice that your redhead with freckles and short hair is the yeah. same as. Yeah. Yeah. And, and more that it gets you coming back for more because you could go get different ones easily. Right. If they were in stock. Well, and I mean, that leads into after one year of sales, they had made uh, a billion dollars. So that's the equivalent of $3 billion today. Yes, that doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah. So one last point before we wrap this up today, I want to talk about some of the craziest conspiracy theories that I found around this. And also the reason or reasons I think actually that the Duggars weren't allowed to have them. Don't forget about the Duggars. Well, because they came from a cabbage. (laughs) You would think, actually, and maybe, but okay, we'll get there. Because um, creationism didn't apply to this. <laughs> Therefore, um, it's I mean, apparently valid. there's a lot of good reasons not to give them if you're a <laughs> fundamentalist. But okay, so the first conspiracy legend that was circling in the 80s was that... Some of these, I'm sorry, I'm just going to... Cabbage Patch Kids were designed to get people accustomed to the appearance of mutants following a nu- nuclear war. war who thinks of these okay sure so i mean really under this you can see the seeds of like the lingering fear of the cold war yeah i was just gonna say i mean i guess if you were building like um uh like underground bunkers and stuff which people were and did totally like totally sure okay i guess right right now that seems so far-fetched but i mean but does it we're not living in a cold war yeah totally and i mean look at you know they're just early preppers right i mean you look at a lot of the weirder conspiracy theories around you know things like vaccines and whatever oh yeah yeah totally um okay so the legends went something like this president reagan had the company that produced cabbage patch dolls make them intentionally ugly because government scientists thought this was what the offspring of survivors of a nuclear war would look like by familiarizing people with this look the survival of the human race would be ensured do you know, it's funny because a lot of conspiracy theories start with something that's like kind of close to the truth and then spirals. Uh-huh. And this doesn't even do that. No, totally. <laughs> well, and there's a there's an even more intense version of this that, you know, basically it was the CIA's idea and that the government actually exposed people to high levels of radiation and had them 
have children's to get models to help in designing the dolls. I just anyway. honestly, Reagan wishes he was a part <laughs> of the create because it was so lucrative. Like totally, he would. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. So the second conspiracy was that some were coming to life and strangling their owners. Um, what year one... did Chucky come out? Yes, that... <laughs> totally. 1988. So oh, okay. This... I was just about to Google it. Yeah. No, a hundred percent. So this one got published in the National Enquirer in the late eighties. It detailed the experiences of a number of women longing for babies of their own who'd adopted Cabbage Patch dolls and treated them as if they were real. Satan possessed these dolls and inspired them to murder the hapless Satan. women. Again, Child of the Flake came out in 1988, but anyway. Okay. I love, so I'm, honestly, do you think it'd be a conspiracy? Or would that just be like a public? That's a, It's like, you know, if, if anyone was on a killing rampage, <laughs> doll or human, do you, I feel like that probably wouldn't be like hidden. <laughs> sure. Um. So, I mean, when we look at that, though, it makes sense that, you know, articles like this may have spawned this kind of variant of like the sinister origins rumor, right? That the dolls had been designed by Satanist, which is the root of what the Duggars said in the Shiny Happy People documentary that we reviewed um, in our last episodes. I think the quote was like filled with demons and considered very sinful. <laughs> filled with demons. Filled. filled with demons just all the way to the brim of their squishy little noses i mean um, i guess any if you're like a fundament staunch fundamentalist it's you could that's that's going to be your reason for like anything you don't want to get your kid nope satan nope, made it. satanic filled nope sorry demons. satan's in it nope um smells like satan feels like satan <laughs> baby powder no satan um they can get an another... outfit for you this year not because they're sold out but because they they are like the spawn of satan so can't do it sorry they're actually satan's pets um so there's actually another layer to this kind of fundamentalists hating on the cabbage patch kids which we heard directly from amy who is the cousin of the duggars that we talked about in the um who actually was featured in the yeah the only one who wore pants yeah bless her little heart (laughs) um and according to amy it actually all came down to the doll's fake adoption certificate this is her quote Quote, they were evil because these dolls came with an adoption certificate and you had to write your name and say you were going to love your doll. But by signing into a written agreement to love a doll, children were apparently violating the first commandment and consequently would be directly disobeying God. That's like a real stretch. Like, just go with the de- the devil. Go with the full of demons. That's easier, right? That's just like, just say no. Here's the thing. As a parent, you get to pick what happens in your house and you can just say no right so yeah they were hard to get they were probably a ripoff of a very nice lady's original design um but it's fairly unlikely that they were actually sinful open for debate (laughs) so yeah there is our that's our story that's our there's our review of the cabbage patch dolls and um the way that it paved the way for rampant consumerism but also taught little boys to be dads so you know you take the good you take the bad the cabbage patch walked so tickle me elmo could run (laughs) thanks so much for listening to we really appreciate your support and if you could do us a big favor and subscribe and share this podcast it would mean the world to us